0: what's up everybody this is another episode of southern wedding professionals we are so glad you are here because today i'm very excited to meet for the first time uh chris who is with the wonderful oak leaf cottage in just outside of chattanooga and uh chris how you doing today
1: i'm great how are
0: you i'm great you know um lots going on in the world but lots going on in business and lots going on in the wedding world and um so it's uh there's just a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, there definitely
1: is. Yeah, I hear that. Um,
0: yeah, uh, just uh, just for frame of reference for historical uh, purposes, as people listen, this is filmed literally the day after the the, the Capitol, um, invasion, and so uh, you know that's that's where we are in the world. It'll air, you know, later, but um, just for everybody, and that's what the, we're feeling right now in this moment as we interview. Um so Chris, tell us a little bit about um the wonderful Oak Leaf Cottage.
1: Um, where would you like me to start? Um the beginning. <laughs> the beginning. Uh, well, once upon a time. No, um we I guess the easiest place to start is when we started looking. Uh we were looking for a place to have um kind of our dream property. Uh we had actually for years been dreaming of having something that was more like um It was going to have a barn and it was going to have like individual little cottages. And we have like files full of like pictures of like what these cottages would look like. And it was going to have like this big garden and we were going to have like all of these homegrown meals and stuff like that. We came across Oakleaf and that was it. Like the whole dream just went out the window. We figured we would have the occasional wedding. We never thought we would do something like this. So like we bought this piece of property. We, you know, it was listed at 5 p.m. I sat on my phone at five in the morning, I immediately emailed the realtor. We saw it at noon and we put in our contract at two o'clock. So we don't even buy shoes that fast. Like, I'm not kidding. I mean, <laughs> so now here we were trying to figure out what to do with it. And, um, we met, I, I have a friend who's a photographer. Her name's Hillary Moore with Wander And she was like, well, why don't you make it a wedding venue? And I was like, cause we don't know anything about weddings. <laughs> and so uh we started doing research and we said okay this looks interesting and so we we started um we remodeled the cottage part first because that was here and i uh, made it kind of an airbnb vrbo kind of thing at first while we worked on the barn and we did all the work here ourselves so um you know as far as like that was an actual like functioning barn it had horses and goats and chickens and a dirt floor and it sloped three feet higher at one end than the other um and uh it just kind of like we just only wanted to do like really small weddings at first because we were like do we really want to do this we don't know anything about like what we're doing um so we just had like the first year, it was just all really small weddings, like 40 people or fewer. Um, and we discovered we really have a passion for it. Uh, we decided we really like it. Um, we enjoy working with couples. Kind of looking back, we look at like all the things that we did throughout our, our lives, you know, 20 years of marriage, like what we have done. And we were like, you know, it all kind of does kind of go in this direction. Just the wedding part's kind of the surprise.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, so you bought this property in less time you buy shoes. (laughs) Um, And uh, tell me, like, when you were going through that transition phase um, of doing the Airbnb thing with this beautiful place, and then you were moving towards that, you know, I think we're going to do this wedding thing. At any point during the Airbnb part, did you say, like, well, maybe we'll just stick with this? Like, did that ever cross your mind in this whole pro Because I'm sure the property is beautiful. So I, I can't imagine people just didn't show up, you know?
1: Right. <laughs> um, I think what it, it was kind of this transition where we finally just did have to say, like, to have this place booked for three nights for a VRBO or a vacation rental stay no longer made sense because um, we were doing enough showings of the venue itself and it was starting to actually hurt potential revenue. And so it kind of worked out well as like a gradual transition part where we would just be like, okay, we'll only open up like certain weekends for uh, vacation rental and then the rest of the time it would be, um, we'll say it's for venue purposes. And it just kind of, it kind of, um, I would say evolved naturally that way. And then this year we had to change insurance companies because, you know, 2020, uh, all the things. And so they said, no, you can't do vacation rental anymore. And we were like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it, it worked out.
0: Yeah, wow. Um, I mean, so let's talk about the different um, settings about the place, just so people can get an idea. Um, just uh, obviously we're we're uh, audio here. We're not actually sitting in the venue because of COVID. I hope one day I can actually travel to these venues and actually do these interviews like on site. That would be the- really cool. Oh man, it'd be so much fun. Um, but uh, it's it- but here we are, uh, COVID 2021. So um, I have to sort of uh, be mindful of that. But the, um, tell us about the different settings you kind of offer.
1: Well, the, I think probably the most striking is of course that whole setting up against the side of the mountain. It's like right over there. So um, I kind of like looking at it, but um, it's just these, it's the side of lookout and it's just these big mossy giant boulders. And then of course we're also just set completely in the forest, we're on 28 acres and we border Cloudland Canyon State Park. So it's pretty private. Um, and so you get a lot of different like wooded areas, you know, you're, you're out here. So the, the chances for cool photos are pretty, uh, pretty prevalent. And then we have uh, two different ceremony spots. Uh, so there's one that we call the forest view site And in the winter, you've got a really pretty good view of the next mountain, which is Sand Mountain over there. And um, that's the one that has like all the string lights and it ends at like the biggest oak tree. I mean, it's huge. It would take like three people to encircle it. It's just a big tree. And um, the other one goes up against the side of that mossy mountainous rock um, side of the mountain. So it's really cool there. Um, And then of course we have the cottage that you can get ready in. Um, You can stay overnight we are allowed to do one night. Um, they permitted that. So <laughs> that was, yeah, that, that was the part that I was really worried about when they were wanting us to change the insurance. Um, but that no problem. Uh, so yeah, you can stay in here, you can get ready in here. Um, and that works out well. It's got four bedrooms, it sleeps up to nine people. And of course, you know, it's got like a big kitchen over there. That's great for your caterers to really spread out. And we haven't off site, but um and then we have the barn itself which is you know whitewashed uh we just put brand new doors on it so um yeah
0: was the barn a pre-existing uh portion of the uh of the cottage or was that something built second
1: second oh it was here it was here it was uh it was a functioning actual very scary looking (laughs) barn (laughs) Um, I had a friend that came over after we bought the place and she said, you're going to do what? She's like, it's really creepy in here. Um, like the previous owners had oh, like five kids and as the kids grew up, they would outgrow their boots. And so they actually had nailed those boots to the ceiling in the barn. And it just kind of, it kind of gave a weird vibe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, I love barn weddings. Barns are like some of my favorite uh, um, settings because they're all, they've all even you know, barn, they all look different on the inside. It's like, um, even though they are barn they have that basic sort of same architecture, uh, architecture. Um, uh, but the, everyone that you go in just has their own personal touch for every venue that they, that you go to. So, um, it's really cool. Like that. Um, I've, I find that always a, a fun thing, whenever I'm showing up to a venue to, you know, to do my job. Um, so, um, So tell me, like, what, like, what were you doing previous to being a, um, uh, you know, uh, being a part of like a wedding venue? I mean, like, what, what was your, you know, career path up to then?
1: Um, it kind of winds a bit. I'm one of those people that I go back and forth. So I have uh, my, my degree is actually in mass communications. And so I started out in journalism and writing and editing and all that. And I got tired of that. And so I started studying about interior decorating. And so my entire career has been, okay, I'm sick of working at a desk. Let's go design somebody's house or something for a while. And then I would get tired of running around and doing stuff and all of, you know, all of the things that are complicated about running your own business. And so I would go running back to being employed somewhere. And (laughs) so, um, when we bought this, I had just finished, I'd actually just finished an event venue up in Townsend. And, um, so maybe it was partly on the mind, I guess, maybe, but, um, I was also working full-time, um, for a construction company. Mm -hmm.
0: I I love this career. I like this world of, uh, the wedding world we live in, because it seems like it takes, seems like kind of plucks people from all walks of life you Mm -hmm. know what I mean and it's like oh I was doing mass communications no I was you know doing something else I was a lawyer or you know I mean like you'd be surprised like just from the people I've been able to interview how many people had a completely different career path and then somehow made a left turn that then left them here right Uh, and uh you know what I love about the the wedding business is that, you know, the people who find themselves in it become extremely passionate about it. There's not a, a um, you know, obviously doing your, your job as a vendor in, in any sort of uh, part of it is, is difficult um, because we are ultimately in the service business of giving that service to the client. But um, But the passion behind it because of the stakes of what the day represents Um, sort of just makes you inherently passionate. I've not met a single person that has not been passionate about their business in this business. Kind of interesting, right?
1: I would say if you're not passionate for this business, you're not going to stay in it because (laughs) the demands are so high. Um, Because, you know, I'm sure you get this too, or it's like, oh, you know, I would love to have an event every weekend or I would love to, you know, have a party every weekend or, you know, that must be like so much fun. Yes, it is a lot of fun, but it is also an extraordinary amount of work. I mean, it's, it's Herculean sometimes. Um, and so if you don't love it, you're not going to stay.
0: Right. It's true. I I don't. Yeah. I mean, everybody just seems to be just so excited every single wedding that they do. And, um, and that goes for me too. Um, but the feeling I get is that um, with COVID and everything, that everybody sort of has a um, positive outlook for 2021 so far. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of things got moved to to 2021 from 2020, and um, a lot of, you know, a lot of weddings, a lot of things have changed. Um, What has been your take on this whole process of the evolution of getting till now, 2021, through the last nine months, and um, what is the what does the next uh, 12 to 18 months look like for you?
1: The next 12 to 18 months are actually looking really good. Um, the majority of our 21 calendar is actually already booked. At least most of the Saturdays are gone. And some of those are moved from 2020. Um, most of our weddings decided to go ahead and proceed, even though you know they had to reduce their headcounts and everything in order to comply with the Georgia mandate. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't blame anybody for moving, I mean, it's your wedding, you know, I mean, that's at the end of the day, like you said, this is a service industry we're here for, we're here to help our couple celebrate their wedding. Um, So it has been, I mean, it's, it's stressful for them and it's stressful for us too, because we're sitting there going, okay, how do we survive? How do we, how do we pivot? I hate that word. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I say it a lot, but like it is, it is 100% overused. Um, I've been using other words like transition and uh, shift lately. Shift anyway. is
1: a good word. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but Sorry, I didn't mean to break your train of thought. Please keep going.
1: Oh, no, it's totally fine. So like one of the things that we had done last year is we created what we called the Rona package. Um, so it's 50 people or fewer, and it was fewer hours, and it actually was able to fill in those dates that were vacated by larger weddings. And so overall, we actually had a pretty good year. So um, I think as far as 21 is concerned, I'm really hoping that everything goes back to normal before too long. Um, I, you know, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the wedding industry is, you know, like a quarter or half a trillion dollar industry. Um, and I think the average wedding spend is somewhere in 2019 around $33,000 per wedding. Right. Um, with this current climate, um, you know, this whole idea of the micro wedding has come up, um, so that people can get on with their big day and and move forward. And um, and while it helps not clog the calendar for the next year that's coming, mm-hmm. um, for new business and stuff, it does create an interesting economic issue. I think that not enough people are talking about. In that now that this micro wedding is sort of in, in vogue, how long does it stay? And is it really economically viable for the future as it pertains to the vast amount of vendors that exist and that live off of that, essentially that average of $33,000 split between all of the different vendors? Now that's been shrunk, you know, so dramatically. Uh, I wonder just your thoughts on like, where do you see that going? Do you see it as a phase? Do you see it as like, it's here to stay? Do you... How do you feel about all that?
1: I personally think once all this is over, it's going to be like the roaring 20s. We're going to be right back to wanting to celebrate. And we're going to be so excited to be able to gather again that it's going to be larger weddings. I think we're going to be seeing ourselves booked at capacity again. Um, Our capacity is only 125. So we're kind of a small venue to begin with. Um, Our clientele tends to be like very boho. They like to really dress things up with lots of florals and everything. So Um, in terms of budgets, I think it kind of helps just in having that smaller space, but in terms of the micro weddings, um, I think to some degree it's going to stay, but mostly like maybe during the week as a way of not having as extravagant a budget Mm -hmm. or like what we've seen this year, um, or this past year, I should say we would have some of these micro weddings. And so they would take some of that budget that they were gonna have on food and they went ahead and put it towards something else that they would have like even better pictures or um, additional lodging for their guests or that kind of thing. So it was just kind of, I think that to some degree, some of those weddings are more elaborate whenever they're micro. Um, But yeah, I I think when this is all over, it's gonna be a big, I think we're gonna be right back to big weddings. And I think people are gonna be really ready to party
0: and I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I, and I, I really like what you said, and I don't know that I've heard anybody quite say it like that, and that the micro wedding isn't gonna stay around, but it's gonna shift to the weekday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that would be a viable solution for the micro wedding. If venues are like, hey, um, you know, you don't wanna pay the big price for the weekends, but here's the weekday, and you, we could do these micro wedding things and that's it. And you still serve the client and you move on. Um, it does shorten the, It does shorten the days off in the week, yeah. uh or the you know that it does make it elongates your work week i should should say maybe that's a better way of saying it um and i i wonder like the long-term effects of that as it pertains to um you know staffing and those types of things speaking of that like how much staff do you you guys typically uh have for uh for the cottage
1: um for an event we typically have about uh four to five people sometimes it's a bigger wedding these smaller weddings, of course. This past year, we were more at like three, maybe four people total. Um, I do have a part-time venue manager. Uh, her name's Autumn, and she's fabulous. Um, and then, of course, you know, we just got like various other crews that come in that clean for us. Uh, we've got some fabulous guys that come in and take care of everything there. So um, it does take a good crew. It takes an excellent crew, and we really we just had our um, our end of the year party a couple weeks ago you know, talked about like all the things we'd like to see change or what we would like to improve on for next year. And um, we just have like a really good group. Everybody gets along and we're we're all just ready. We're all just ready for this next season.
0: Now, am I right in that from reading your bio that your husband has a big part in this business as well? Yes. (laughs) tell Tell me a little bit about your husband and what he does for the business.
1: Yes. So he has always had an interest in building and remodeling and all of that. So together, the two of us have redone and I don't want to say flipped, but we have remodeled and then later sold about 11 houses. And so um, he's, he's just, he's one of those guys who can just build anything. I mean, you, you, you go, okay, I don't know how you're going to pull this off. And he somehow figures it out. I mean, he stares at it for a few days and he's like, you know what, if I built a scissor lift like this, I could do that. And you're like, how are you going to build that? Well, he figures that out. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the stuff he can just pull together. Um, so he's just got an incredible creative mind. Um, and so he here at the venue, you know, he's the one. Obviously, he does all the maintenance around here. Um, well, not all. Sometimes I change filters and stuff too. But um, he's he's the one that's engineering. And you got to understand engineering on the side of a mountain is a bear. This is a whole new thing. Like, I mean, venue on flat ground sometimes just sounds like a dream Mm -hmm. uh, because once you have mountain slope and we've got like anywhere between 30 to 45% grade depending upon where you are on this property, you've got a lot of things to consider like runoff and drainage and um, understanding too that the mountain is alive. It moves, it doesn't stay in one spot. Mm. um it's a it's a living breathing thing is what we have really started to realize after some time being here and so you have to calculate all of that so anything that we do in terms of changes and and you know improvements around here we have to really consider how that mountain works and he really has brilliantly been figuring it all out
0: what um so as the day-to-day um thing he's more on the maintenance side You're obviously, I'm, you know, like on the, like the sales and obviously like organizing everything and make sure everything's good. Do You guys have anybody else on your team at all, or is it just you two?
1: Oh, no, we have Adam, who's our venue manager. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll say, you know, Dave also does a number of tours. Um, So he's, he does meet people also. And um, on wedding day, he is here throughout the event also. So a lot of times he's our shuttle driver. Um, What are parking situations at the bottom of the hill? And so we shuttle all guests up top. Uh, There's like very little parking up here. So you always have this uh, park-like feeling up top. So that is a big portion of his job is to manage that driveway and be shuttling people top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, Our venue manager is, her name is Autumn. And she has been getting us, uh, we've been on a CRM, we've been using Dubsado. um, And so she has currently taken over getting us completely set up in Dubsado. Like I had kind of gotten us like partway um, in my corporate jobs. I had used CRMs, but I have been so busy. If it's me by myself, I could not have the time between answering the emails and running the day-to-day of the business. There was no time for me to like fully integrate everything or really fully use that program to where it needed to be. And so she's had more of that time. So she's been able to work on that. So we're finally seeing you know more, more usage out of that CRM. And then she also gives the tours. She's here on wedding days. Um, She has brought in like so much added energy and positivity. I mean, like you have to have positivity anyway, but I mean, she's just, she's been a wonderful asset.
0: Yeah, um, the funny thing you said about that was that I also used Upsado. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's sort of like a lesser known CRM, but it's very customizable and it's very affordable. it's, uh, I love the idea that, um, all my e signing documents don't have to go through another third party, uh, company like, a, uh, you know, DocuSign or whatever. And it's all built into the system. So shout out to Upsado for making right. our small business world go round.
1: This episode brought to you by, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See, if I'd yeah.
0: only known I could approach with the sponsorship and like, you know,
1: Oh, maybe another episode. We'll talk about it. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I went with Desato because it it seemed to have so many more options. It was more complicated to set up. It's not easy like HoneyBook. It's not like oh, you only have these things to set up. but It's so customizable, which makes it the learning curve that much more difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the. Uh, but you know, as wedding professionals know, CRM is the way the world works. You know, um, if you don't, I don't have how
1: else you survive?
0: Yeah, it's just not going to happen. No. Um, so that's that's really cool so you've got autumn and your husband and yourself and that's pretty much the core of the team right
1: that's the core and then of course there's the event folks so um yeah we've got a really good group i think that's cool so walk
0: with me how far some of these locations are from each other so the uh, prospective bride or, or groom is listening or maybe in a vendor that's hoping to work at your venue, uh, venue at some point can't speak today um the like so how far is the barn from the cottage like how far is like some of the some of the uh shots for the wedding um or potential places for the actual ceremony how far is that away from the cottage like give us some sort of uh steps
1: um everything's actually very walkable um the barn is maybe maybe 200 feet from the cottage so it's not far mm-hmm. um the Forest View ceremony spot is actually like right outside the front steps here. So um, a lot of our brides, as they're walking down the aisle, if that's the spot that they have chosen or at, um, they they just go right down the steps and then they go right to the aisle. So it's not far at all. Um, the majority of the wedding party is just right here, ready to walk down the aisle. Um, and then as far as between the cottage and the barn, um, you know, a lot of times we'll have that plated service uh, for, you know, through caterers and um you know, they will, you know, they'll need a few extra staff people. And sometimes they'll pull in some of ours too, to help bring food over because we don't have like a catering spot in the barn or right next to the barn. Um, And so that might be one small logistical challenge, but it's just overcome by more people. Um, And then, you know, the next ceremony spot, that one that's up against the rocks of the barn, that is directly behind the barn. Uh, You literally like walk outside the barn and down the steps and there they are. Um, And then that space actually works out well for other activities too, you know, a lot of times that's a space for cocktail hour. Um, It's a good location for um, like a a lounge area. We've had dance floors out there. We've had tents set up out there. So um, everything's very, very, very convenient, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like everything's really close by, which makes it very convenient for, like I said, the bride and room to kind of get around to, you know, take the photos and do all their things. Um, uh, so how long has this actually been going? Like from the, from the time you got, when did you guys actually buy the property? What, what was the date?
1: Um, it was June 19, 2016. Okay. Um, so Juneteenth we bought.
0: <laughs> so you, bought um, you bought it on Juneteenth and then, uh, of 16 and then you, uh, how long did it take you to build out everything?
1: Um, it was about a year, I would say it was, um, our first event was toward the end of August of
0: 2017.
1: Mm -hmm. So we're doing everything ourselves, like all that concrete. I mean, we had concrete trucks come up, but like sidewalks and stuff like that, that's been Dave mixing that and the, um, you know, you can get a truckload of dirt brought up, but in order for it to go where it's supposed to go, that's us, a shovel and a wheelbarrow. Um, and so, you know, I, I tell people it's the Oakleaf cottage workout program, you know, I mean, we stay in really good shape around here. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what, uh,
0: to have so much sweat equity in a place like that, you know, to really shape it like you, like you guys dreamed it together, you and your husband, I mean, to see the final fruits of that labor. I mean, it's gotta be a real joy to look at every morning when you, when you show up. Right.
1: It is. Um, but I think there's also times where you have to remind yourself to look back and see how much you've done. Because for us, we're constantly going, oh, we need, we want to do this next and this and this and this and this. And the, the list of things that we want to do here, the list of projects is it's pages long. And so I know for he and I both, we tend to get caught up in feeling almost like we're behind because we thought up of certain things like years ago that we wanted to see happen. But, you know, there's a million other things that have to be done first. You know, it's like uh, coming up this month, we're gonna have air conditioning finally added to that barn. The reason why that took so long and the reason why we're still working at it is because, you know, you have to finish insulating the ceiling of the barn. Well, the ceiling of the barn, that loft area is entirely storage, which means you have to move all that stuff out of the way. And then of course, you know, you have to break out Mr. Pickaxe again because it is situated right up against the side of the barn. So you're gonna to have to cut out another section of the mountain, put this unit in there and you're gonna need a little retaining wall next to it so that things don't fall over time on your on your HVAC unit. Every little thing we do here is extra work. And so yes, whenever that you're, you're like, oh my gosh, we finally did this. And you feel like, okay, things are looking amazing. And we are very encouraged by everything that we see that we've done. And we are very proud of what we've done. Um, it, we do have to take that step back, and I think I think that's probably true for a lot of people, you know or we do get caught up on our, our future list so much that we don't look back.
0: I mean, yeah, that's that sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean taking out a piece of the mountain again to you know to, so your HVAC you know, fits on the side uh, you know that's uh, that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, you
1: can't get a piece of machinery there that's that's part of the problem you can't get a piece of machinery there you have to do that by hand and that's the way a lot of things have been like we've rented things thinking oh yeah we can cut a channel for electricity this was ages ago when we were bringing more electricity over to the barn um we thought you know we could just use this it was a piece of machinery i don't remember what it was called but we thought it could do that oh no it's gonna hit like a million rocks and nope here you are (laughs) pickaxe 200 feet of (laughs) pickaxe
0: Oh man, I can't imagine how many days he was sore. I just from that axe. I mean, I I did a little bit of that as a kid. And uh I yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of work, man. Um, wow. I mean, well, I mean, of course, perspective is everything, right? I mean, all these people show up and they see something different than what you see when you look at it. And um uh are there any other like major projects that you guys have like on the horizon that um Uh, that are working to our our listeners or are they mostly like all internal, like small little things?
1: There's some. um, The one thing I've learned um, is whenever you have this giant list of things that you really want to get done, your priorities change. Um, So we could say, okay, for example, those brand new doors that we just put on the barn, they've got glass in them and everything. We wanted to put those in. We wanted to get that done like two years ago. You know, like we've had that on the books for two years. You don't want to announce it too soon because look, it took us two years, you know, like, yes, that's a project, but it took us two years to finally get around to actually finishing. Dave made those doors. He had to custom make those doors and then we had to get the glass put in. And then we had to figure out how we were going to hang them because this is an existing barn. It wasn't designed for this kind of door. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, we're kind of hesitant to announce other things, unless it's like the HVC, which we've already paid for. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that is happening.
0: <laughs> well, everybody can rest assured that they will be cool off the side of a mountain at uh, at, at your barn uh, coming coming soon. Yes, um, I like it. Um, so, um, is the, what's the? Uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, the culture in uh the Chattanooga area which is I, I imagine that's probably where most of your was that where most of your traffic actually comes from
1: no 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 uh, I would say about 85 to 90 percent of our weddings are actually destination uh we get very little out of Chattanooga itself
0: okay because Chattanooga is only like 20 miles or so from you right
1: oh yeah it's literally like 24 minutes to get to the right to downtown um, so it's very conveniently located to us, um, but I think between our setting and then having this cottage, we just became more of a destination, um, and I don't mind. I mean, so like, yeah, we get people, we get a lot of people from Florida, which is where we're originally from, but then we've got like California, Colorado, and Utah, and New Jersey, New York. Um, no kidding. It, it, they come from everywhere. Texas, Texas happens a lot.
0: Wow. And what have you done in those areas to to make you even available to to obviously you're in mass communications here so this is a great question to ask you (laughs) uh what what have you done to uh make yourself known in these uh you know for all these people in all these different states to find you
1: honestly i think it's all in the hashtags and in how you um how you set up the seo on your website um I think initially for us, the destination part was kind of a happy accident. And then when we started seeing, well, this is definitely our trend, um, I just kind of started playing to it more and just using more of the hashtag. I started using the hashtag destination venue and that destination wedding venue or destination wedding, um, I use those a lot. And somehow that seems to pull it up, I guess. I mean, most people say they do find ours by our website. Um, I know a lot of people follow us on Instagram and some of them, I feel like they'll, they'll admit, oh yeah, I've stopped you for like a year. <laughs> and, and so, so uh, I, am not always sure exactly how they found us. Um, but I do think it, it, I think a lot of it is the hashtags. And so your
0: Oh, right. So when you're hashtagging, is it actually Instagram that you're using when you're thinking about is it another social platform?
1: Um, You do, you do it there. Um, And I underutilize Pinterest for this, but you can also use your hashtags on Pinterest. And then of course, um, whenever that you are naming your pictures before you put them on your website, you want to make sure that they have a name that is searchable. And that also adds to your SEO. So Mm
0: -hmm. SEO is super important. People really, um, in our industry, we get so busy doing what we do that we don't think about always how people find us and, um, and that upfront cost of having someone that has those very specific set of skills to go through your website and to really um, zero in on um, trying to get more traffic to you um, organically is, is important. Ultimately, it always ends up being a pay for play business, but um, especially if you're talking about Google listings and such, but the hashtags and Instagram and stuff are so, so important. I feel like in the wedding industry between Pinterest and Instagram, those are the two platforms that most people see the majority of their business come in on.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would, I would agree with that because everybody is inspired by, by Instagram. You know, we kind of tend to stare at a lot. I admit several hours of my life tend to go there um, more than I would like to see go there, but it, whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that's how I found you. That's how, that's how this conversation.
1: Yeah, true. It is. It is. So oh. um, yeah. I'm- I thought i had another point i don't remember what it was so maybe we'll come back to it
0: <laughs> okay yeah no i was going to say like uh pinterest is um a lot of people don't know that um pinterest is the number two um sales performing social media platform behind facebook right it's a search engine yeah and, and pinterest actually is um more you know it, it has a more like you know if you're going to compare it has a more instagrammy feel so to speak um, than like, uh, a Facebook does. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, it's an unbelievable converting platform, um, that I think more people need to take seriously in all walks of the wedding world.
1: Right. Now the hard part with Pinterest is it just seems like it takes a few extra steps to get everything on there. It's like one more thing to do. It um, is. you know, like it, it, you could be in all places, you know, but you would, you would wear yourself out and you would do nothing but marketing. Mm -hmm. If you did that. And so you kind of have to pick and choose and say, okay, who's most important? Where do I see most of the most, at least the immediate gratification and Instagram is a very easy way to get that more instant gratification. Yes. Pinterest, it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I noticed this in interior design also the stuff that by the time you start seeing things circulate on Pinterest, it's slightly outdated. It's been circulating around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so if you really want to stay on the trends, you need to be looking at Instagram. You right. need to be looking at what's what's California doing, what's coming down the the runway, you know? So that's where you need to be looking if you wanna stay ahead. And that's where you're gonna see like the craziest ideas sometimes too, depending on who you follow, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I feel the same about Instagram. It's so instant and it's so like right now mm-hmm. uh, that it is, um, it's a beautiful platform for um uh, for people to be immediately inspired by something immediately brand new that was immediately created just a moment ago. Um, right. So that's, that is one thing that I do love about Instagram. Um, and, uh, you know, and their algorithms are pretty smart too. Like when you start to, you know, show that you uh, are very much interested in this one particular uh, topic, say I'm looking for a wedding venue, and I click on one, immediately it pops up four five, six other ones that are in your sort of general area. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, the predictability um, of the algorithm as it pertains to what it is you're looking for in the geographical area that you're in is pretty pretty yeah. well well done.
1: Yeah there's times that we really complain about that algorithm um, but you know I mean I, I definitely tend to be one of those you know please bring back the chronological feed like but I understand why it's not there, you know, but there are a lot of people that I feel like I, I really miss following or I have to remember to go look at to see, you know, hey, you know, wait a minute. I haven't seen anything from green wedding shoes lately. Let's go look, you know, so that's you kind mean, of irritating.
0: You know, in Australia, they're actually, exper- or maybe it's New Zealand, they're actually experimenting with getting rid of the like button, the like the little heart. Ooh. So, so you would actually then, uh, you're, uh, you wouldn't, because you know, so many, it's been linked to so much of like, uh, there's a lot of mental health issues that have come about from this whole like, well, my post wasn't liked, and I'm a horrible person, or whatever. Uh, which sounds, you know, my my Southern Indiana, like you know, male upbringing says, ah, that's just weak, you know. But it's true that it really does have, and a, a, the, the I mean, the studies are out there. You can read them yourself, um, you know, uh, and my listeners could could also do that too. studies are out there that, you know, the psychological effect of the like button is, you know, uh, is a, is a very weird phenomenon. And, um, and so Instagram is actually experimenting with the idea of taking it away. Um, and it just being a platform that you interact with people of what you see, uh, on the, um, you know, on the post, um, you can leave comments and stuff, but they're getting, they're, they're thinking about getting rid of the like button who knows whether they ever will or not. But, um, because uh, I'm sure they have their own way of tracking traffic and what what photos getting looked at or like, you know, they can, right. I'm sure they could pivot. Or, ah, I said the word um, <laughs> I'm sure they can shift to, uh, to a different way of measuring all of that. Um, but uh, but I, I found that kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I had heard that they were going to play with that. And then I wasn't sure, you know, I hadn't heard anything about it in a while. So it's interesting to know that Australia and New Zealand is going to play with that. Um, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because as businesses, we kind of like to be able to have the analytics to know, Hey, you know, what did people actually like to see and what would they like to see more of? Um, And so in some ways I, I'm not super happy with that because I do look at, you know, what, what did people like or not like,
0: Like. Um,
1: and sometimes it's all in like what I hashtagged it as, you know, maybe it wasn't a super popular hashtag um, that I was pushing. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand it. And I understand now, like the most recent changes on Instagram, they're going to do more measuring as far as like how long you're staring at different pictures in order to maybe decide like where to show things in your algorithm, in your feed. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it uh, as far as getting rid of the like button.
0: It is interesting. It, I mean, it's very instant. Uh, it's a very instantaneous real-time way to say, oh, it's, this post has been up for an hour and no one has liked it. It could be the time of day or the t- content. Either way, I'm yanking it down and I'll post it later. Right. You know, um, if, you're that, um, if you're that dialed in on, on Instagram, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but there's, a, there's a lot of talk um, and there's a lot of different, um, you know, that very thing measuring, you know, the validity of a post based on how long somebody stares at it. Um, the fact that they can even do that is just so weird to me.
1: <laughs> I don't like it. It's creepy. Yeah. You know, I'll admit sometimes I'll be staring at, you know, a, a sponsored post or an ad or something. I'm staring at, I'm trying to figure out what, what am I looking at? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, shiz, now I'm going to be like, they're yeah, gonna no, probably, and no. I don't care about this. I just didn't know what it was.
0: <laughs> the alien technology knows.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's no different than if you were in the store and you, you know, like in an antique mall and you pick up something just because you want to know what it is or what was it or you're you're interested in something about it. And then it's like, oh, well, let's show you a million of those. No, no, no.
0: Retargeting is real. Um, It is a a real thing. If uh, for my, for the, we're kind of in this very interesting world. If for my listeners who are listening, if you don't want uh and you don't want to then see a thousand different lampshades when you were just looking for one uh and you found your one and now you're gonna get inundated with like five thousand of them, just go buy go buy like a VPN and then you're you're gold because they can't trace you from that. So uh, you know, and VPNs are like nine nine 99 a month or something like that, depending on who you get it from. So it is a pain, but it's also it saves you from all that retargeting and and uh and all that stuff, which not a lot of people know so yeah. um but yeah. yeah so in wrapping this i want to talk a little bit about you and i want to talk a little bit about things that you like personally because i feel that every um uh, prospective client that comes across that you know, bride or groom that is listening to this very right here um you know they're going to want to know more about you um and i think that that's the this is a great time in which to do so so Um, I'm going to ask some PG 13 questions and, uh, and we'll see, we'll see where this ends up. So, um, tell me a little bit about you. What do you, uh, are you a big music person? Do you have like a favorite band or something of that nature?
1: I love to listen to music, but I'm one of those people that tends to go to Pandora and, you know, depending on the mood, it'll be like two steps from hell radio, or it could be a Bon Iver radio. Um, Sometimes we'll go back to the greatest hits of the eighties kind of thing. That, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not super adventurous on music. The only thing I don't much love is country, but
0: other than that, everything's cool. So you're a playlist kind of gal. You like to put on the playlist and then you go about your day and it, it just, it just the soundtrack of your day. I got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear that. Uh, I always ask that question because I have guitars on my wall. I was
1: looking at that. Yeah.
0: Um, the, um, uh cool is there a go-to favorite food that you like um in the uh like what's your go-to
1: uh i love various kinds of cuisine so i absolutely love indian i love thai um we we cook a lot of italian around here a lot of like the old country kind of italian so there's a lot of beans and stuff going on Mm. vegetables lots of vegetables
0: yeah rustic love it um One of my, uh, I can say this because I'm not in Chattanooga area and I have no, I have no, uh, hometown ties to it, but one of my favorite places to eat when I'm in the Chattanooga area is, uh, main street Meats. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but
1: I have, yes.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's totally one of my favorite places. I was, I was traveling through on tour, playing with a band probably, I don't know, six or seven or years ago or something. And. This was back before they had built it out to what it is now um and it was just a little tiny butcher shop and they only Mm. served burgers and you could buy it like two ways and it was on uh and it was only at lunchtime um so i went to this butcher shop and man it was like the best burger i'd ever had in my life and uh and now they've grown into this beautiful space and it's really cool so every time i'm in the chattanooga area i always stop at uh at main street meets it's like my yeah. favorite so shout out yeah, you a great spot
1: <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> little
0: test. Yeah. um so um that's cool do you are, are you like a sports gal at all do you do any of that kind of stuff
1: no nah, i have zero interest though my husband is a raging buccaneers fan he has been a fan since they started and he will crowd, quote and rattle off every stat every player's weight i mean the stuff he can rattle off about everybody is very impressive but also like why i didn't know all this
0: knowledge right uh i'm i'm 100 the same way about several sports um particularly baseball but um but yeah um love football but yeah i don't i don't like the fact that my division rival has tom brady as their quarterback and they beat us twice this year um so uh yeah what are you gonna do um, what are, what are some of your hobbies then? Like if you if you if you're not like if you're a playlist gal and you know you um, you guys do a lot of cooking at home and you you know you're not really much into sports. What what are you into?
1: Uh, for the most part, I'm outdoors a lot, and so I I enjoy a garden and I also um, call myself kind of a backyard herbalist. So I spend a lot of time like studying plants and making medicines or actually like developing foods and yummy stuff from out here in the woods. So uh, there's a remarkable array of plants that are quite edible. Wow,
0: okay, so uh, what kind of, so you grow a lot of uh, herbs that then you mix into actual like medicinal things?
1: To an extent, yes. So um, I do have quite the supply of tinctures, but then I also like to make different things like a uh, hickory bark syrup. Um, so that's, you know I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised how good it is. But, you know, I mean, you're experimenting with um, different ways to make chickweed taste good. Like, what else would you, what else can you blend it with? So it's like, you bring it, you find this plant and you're like, okay, let me bring it to the kitchen. What am I going to do with it? And so, I mean, chickweed kind of has this like cornstalk kind of flavor. Um, and so you're trying to figure out how do I make that? Do I want it to be dominant? How do I want it to play in? Like what, what would make it shine or be in the background better or...
0: That's awesome. Um, I have a a few friends of mine that uh, do something similar. And um, every year, uh, one of my friends gives me like a little jar of uh, elderberry syrup that he makes. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's like always like one of my favorite winter things that he does for me. Like he'll give me like a little jar of it and I'll use it in just about everything.
1: (laughs) Elderberry is amazing. Um, We we have some here, but it it just gets so much shade that we hardly get any berries. And so usually I wind up actually harvesting the flowers and making elderflower liqueur. Hmm.
0: That's cool. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it's fun. I I think it's great. So do you grow like any vegetables and stuff like too? Is it mostly like on the herb and flower kind of side?
1: Um, When we have like our usual garden, uh, we usually grow things like tomatoes and um, we like like Japanese eggplant, you know, some things that are just kind of out there a little bit, but you know, still within the culinary fields of that whole Italian food domination yeah. I
0: feel like there's a whole conversation I could have about that um but in the interest of time I'll have to move the what's the uh what is the overall like are, are you like a big reader do you like to read any books if so like what kind
1: um I love to read uh right now I'm finally getting around to Bre- breeding sweet grass uh by Robin Wall and um you know I, I study a lot of uh, particularly Cherokee uh you know, as far as like Native Americans, and so it's um, it's a it's a strong interest of mine. Uh, so anyway, it's been interesting to read her perspective on everything, and uh, very eye opening, honestly.
0: What's uh? Do you have any sort of family heritage just, just tied to that, or is that just a general interest of yours?
1: Uh, there's a rumor that there is Cherokee blood on my dad's side, mm. so you know, but, but you know, it's not quantifiable. <laughs> well, I mean, supposedly I'm a sixteenth, but anyway.
0: Right. Sure. That's cool. I mean, I get it. My, uh, my family is uh, mostly English, I think. Um, and uh, my grandfather before like 23 and me and all this stuff kind of came around, where you could just like give some DNA and everybody tells you everything about your life. Right. Um, you know, my grandfather did years uh, when he was 11, years like he has binders that are, you know, this thick. And, uh, you know, he's got like a whole wall of talking about like the history uh, as it was passed down from like generation to generation to generation um and uh and it's fascinating um mm-hmm. fascinating i tell my dad i'm going to steal the whole thing and, and bring it back home and read it but he won't let me like, take it from the house yet
1: <laughs> my um, <grown-up> actually <laughs> did like a whole bunch of genealogy and uh we're actually primarily german And so she has done so much family history. Uh, I know I'm like the eighth generation firstborn female. I mean, weird stuff like that. Yes, I mean, knowing your family history is so awesome. Mm.
0: Well, for our our fellow vendors that are out there um, that are listening to this, that have probably found a lot of encouragement from your, you know, your real, like, you know, getting your hands dirty type of, you know, uh, building out of the venue of your dreams here. um, What sort of? Uh, what word would you leave with them to encourage them on their particular journey that they're on? Maybe they're in a bad place or uh, maybe they're not feeling so good about where the world is right now as it pertains to their, their business. Um, Is there a word of advice in the amount of time that you've been now in this industry that you could share with somebody that would, you know, that you think that would, you know, brighten their day? What, what would that be?
1: Um, I would say keep going because it's, they say so many times that before you find success, you almost are like right before, like right, right when you're ready to just give up is whenever you finally get uh, some measure of success or start to see things turn. Um, so I would say, yeah, like don't give up and hang in there. Cause I know this has been a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. Any, anybody who's made it through 2020, um, we've all got stories to share. We've all got wire injuries. I'm sure, um, you know, it's, it's been, It's definitely been rough in a lot of ways. Um, So I would just say, you know, just keep the head up, keep going.
0: I love it. And that's where we will leave today. Again, uh, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to hang with Southern Wedding Professionals today and me.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed
0: it. Well, I'm so glad you did. And one day we'll have you back on and maybe it'll be like post-COVID and we can laugh about the old days and talk about all the new things that we're doing.
1: That would be wonderful.
0: (laughs) Uh, We'll see you soon.
1: All right. Thank you.